Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. to turn your Bibles, if you will, please, to the book of James. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 12. The last uh, several messages that I've been sharing with you have been in relation to overcoming some trials and some tests and some obstacles. Uh, if you remember uh, several weeks back, actually the Sunday, the weekend that the, the church flooded on that particular weekend, I shared with you on how to be overcomers and how to overcome some of those <clears throat> eventful things that happen in our life. Last week we didn't have church, so the week prior to that, I shared with you the message on don't tap out. You know, don't tap out when it gets tough, when you get in a bind and, and uh, stay in there. And I gave you some ways to do that from Scripture. Today I just want to share with you out of James chapter 1 and verse 2 and following and just talk to you briefly about some uh, some tests that we may go through in life that every single one of us will face and give you a little bit of, of what James is talking about concerning that. We were talking a little bit about Job in the last couple of messages. So today I kind of want to wrap that, that theme up, if you will, today with this last message uh, on, in that package, if you will, talking about trials and, and uh, tests and hard places that come in our life and, and how we persevere through that why they happen to us, and, uh, and the such. So that's going to be my, my thought today, and as I try to just wrap that subject matter up. And uh, so we're going to be in James chapter 1, in verse number 2. The Word of God says this. It says, Consider it a great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials. Everybody say trials. trials. Now what did He tell us to do? Consider it great what? Joy. Consider great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. But endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and without criticizing, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind, and the person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. An indecisive man is unstable in all his ways. The brother of humble circumstances should boast in his exaltation, but the one who is rich should boast in his humiliation because he will pass away like a flower of the field. For the sun rises with his scorching heat and dries up the grass, and its flower falls off and its beautiful appearance is destroyed. And in the same way, the rich man will wither away while pursuing his activities. Pay attention to verse 12. A man who endures trials is what? Blessed. What's the key word there, you think? A man who does what? Endures trials is blessed. Well, how do we get to the place to where we endure these trials? Well, that's what the testing is all about. That's what I'm going to talk about. A man who endures trials is blessed 
Because when he passes the test, hello, guys, you realize that life is a test? There's a lot of testing that takes place in life. And I'm not talking about just in high school and just in college. I'm talking about in life in general, there are a lot of tests that we have to take. And here's something I have discovered. If you don't pass the test... You keep taking it over and over and over. Hello, anybody with me? And over and over. Because God loves you that much, He wants to grow you into the mature believer of Christ that that He wants you to be. And if you don't pass the test, He's going to be sure you keep taking the test. How many has had to retake a test before in life? Yeah, my, my hand is up as well. We all have. But He who passes the test... He will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for our time together and thank you so much for our church family. And we pray that you bless our fellowship today, that you bless our worship today, that you bless the word today. And and Father, we pray that the Holy Spirit of God would take the word of God and make us all more like the son of God. And Lord, I realize the very best that I can do is to reach the ears of those that we even listen to me. And how I stand here today, totally dependent upon the Holy Spirit to take the words that I'm going to speak and pierce the heart of each one that's here today. Lord, help us to to discover the truths of your word. I pray that the Holy Spirit would do his work of illuminating the word of God and open in our heart and open in our mind and open in our eyes and helping us to see what thus saith the Lord and give us a better understanding of why we go through some trials and go through some hardships in life. A lot of times we're quick to give Satan the credit when he just may be a tool in the master's hand. And oftentimes it's a test from our God, not to tempt us to sin, but to mold us and to conform us into the image of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. God, help us to understand that. Be with us now and help each one that's here today to get an understanding of your word. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. The little cartoon character, the Peanuts, Charlie Brown and Lucy. Everyone is well familiar with that. And I ran across a little Peanuts clip this past week, actually two weeks ago. And I thought it kind of was very applicable to what we're talking about here in the book of James. Charlie Brown and Lucy were on a cruise liner and they were going on a cruise. And they were out on the deck where the chairs are. And she came upon Charlie Brown. You know, Lucy's always given this tremendous counsel. I mean, she has great counsel for Charlie Brown all the time, right? And she comes up and she's making the analogy and she says, Chuck, you know how she does it, Chuck. And he was fumbling around with his deck chair and she said, life is a whole lot like that deck chair. And she said, some people set their chair and they face it forward out the bow of the ship so they can see where they're going in life. And she said, some people choose to turn it around and look out the back of the ship so they can see where they've been. In life. And she said, some people like to just turn it sideways so they can see where they presently are at this moment in life. Pretty good analogy from Lucy, don't you think? Charlie Brown looks up at her and he says, Well, I can't even get mine unfolded. The point is, he can't even sit in his chair. Life is a whole lot like a deck chair, right? I mean, there's some of us that have it sitting out on the bow of the ship and man, we're feeling the breeze in our hair for those that have hair. And we are enjoying that moment of of the warm sunshine and the breeze. And man, life is going good and easy and, and we're just out there on the bow just enjoying life. 
And then there's some of us that get a little older and we start reminiscing. So we start turning our chair around. Right. Right. And we kind of look back and we kind of see what life has done with us and maybe to us and and what we've been through in life. We're looking back and. Then there's some that just, just live in the moment all the time. They're just right there and they don't live for the future or the back. Just today's it and, and they have no recollection of the future. But then there are some of, some of us from time to time where our deck chair breaks down. Would you agree? I mean, we may have it facing straight out the bow of the ship and we may be looking forward to great things that are going to happen. And all of a sudden our chair collapse or, or we move it around and we can't get it back into position like Charlie Brown found himself and... Life a lot of times can be tough, right? Would you agree? I want you to understand that trouble and difficulty comes to everyone. There's not one person in this room today that is exempt from troubles and difficulties and problems in life. Every single one of us will face it. People at every level of society live life in what I call the minor key. Are you with me? I mean, we, we all love the major chords. Now, I'm not a musician, but I know when something goes into a minor or a sharp, right? You can just hear it. That's what life is a lot of times for us. You know, we want the major chords and we want things to run smoothly and everything. To, you know, when I, when I sing, I sing lead. Now, my family, my wife and my son and my daughter, they all can sing different parts and altos and they can harmonize and this and that and the other. I'm not real good at harmonizing. I can sing the lead part. That's the major key. Let me go right down that road and you guys fill in the gaps. Whenever we sing as a family, that's kind of what happens. But I like life like that, don't you? I enjoy life on the majors. But when the minor keys or the sharps come into life, there's a little bit of something taking place. And guys, I want you to understand that every single person in this room will live life at some point or another in a minor key. There'll be some type of sickness that will come your way. There'll be some type of suffering that will come your way. There'll be some type of disease that will come your way. There will be an unexpected death that will come your way. And those are the minor keys in life. Matter of fact, Job even said it well in Job chapter 5 and verse number 7. Job suffered, as you know, deeply. And he cried out in Job 5 and verse number 7. He said, but mankind is born for trouble. As surely as sparks fly upward, mankind is born of trouble. Psalm 71 in verse number 20, the psalmist echoed the very same principle when he said in Psalm 71 and 20, you caused me to experience many troubles and misfortunes. Now, who was that? That was the Lord. The Lord allowed me to go through many trials, many troubles, many misfortunes. And of course, he's going to revive us again. The psalmist is saying But the point I want you to see that going through a hard place in life is not necessarily a bad thing. And the next thing I want you to see that going through some hard places in life is not necessarily of the devil. And sometimes we are too quick to give him credit for the work that God is trying to do in our lives. I don't know where we have gotten off track as far as Christians are concerned. But someone out there is preaching a false gospel where they say something like this. If you'll trust Jesus as your personal savior, then he will give you everything that you ever desire in life. And he will make you wealthy and he will make you prosperous and he will make you healthy. And if you're sick, it's because you lack faith. If you're suffering financial, it's because you lack faith. I mean, there's a movement out there that's preaching that type of doctrine. Guys, listen, that's not true. 
That is, understand me, that's not true. You're going to go through some hard places in life. Why do you think that is? Because you know what the ultimate goal in life is? It's not that I live a pleasant life. You see, God's not, God's not really concerned about me living in comfort. He's concerned about my character. Are you with me? He's not concerned about me living in a mansion. He's preparing one for me. That's not even on his radar. He's concerned about the man that I am on the inside. He's concerned about the person that you are on the inside. So he's going to dismiss comfort altogether. And there's a movement today that preaches around the world, even here in America, that Christianity and turning to God is all about experiencing the wonderful comfort of this world. My Bible teaches me that I'm a pilgrim in this world. Hello? My Bible teaches me that I'm a sojourner in this world. My Bible teaches me that this world is not my home. Right? My Bible teaches me that I'm just passing through. My Bible teaches me that this is just preparation ground for the next. And that's heaven and that's living with him forever and ever. So God's far more concerned about your character than he is your comfort. So therefore, he's going to allow some difficult times and difficult places to come up and pop up in your life. James chapter number one deals a lot with these practical problems and these difficulties and these troubles and problems abound that cause us to ask, why? God, I'm doing my best. I'm, I'm trying to serve you. I'm, I'm tithing. I'm giving of my offering. I'm, I'm giving of my time. I'm giving of my service. I'm, I'm faithful to church. I'm in a small group. I'm reading your word every day. I'm, I'm praying. I'm doing my best to serve you. And yet, bad things still happen that we classify as bad. But God's saying, listen, because you're doing that, you're growing in your faith. And when you're doing that, I'm going to allow some, some things to come in that may challenge you a little bit, that may test you a little bit. But what I'm ultimately trying to do is to conform you to the image of my son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me tell you this, whenever God puts his fingers on our life and he starts... You know, he is the master potter and we are but the clay. What must the clay do for the potter to finish his task on the clay? The clay must really just do one thing, actually two things. Number one, we must stay on the potter's wheel, right? We can't jump ship. We can't tap out. We can't quit, right? I'm done with this thing. Get me off of this. This pressure hurts. So we got to stay on the potter's wheel. But the second thing that we must do is we must remain pliable. Hello? Because what is he doing? He's digging his fingers in our life. And he's putting some pressure there. And he's pulling us upward and he's molding us outward. He's making us into this vessel of honor that Peter writes about. He wants to use us in this world, but ultimately to conform us to the image of his son. But one thing I've discovered, when I'm on the potter's wheel and the master has his hands on me, and he's changing a few things in my life. And he's teaching me a few areas in my life. And he's growing me a few areas in my life. One thing I know about that, that can be painful. Hello? Are you with me, church? That can be and often is painful. But we've got to realize that God has a master plan and we've got to just stay on the potter's will. The book of James deals with this oftentimes and... He admonishes us, if you will, and, and look in verse number two. He says, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, in James chapter one, verse two through twelve, 
There he talks of these trials, these tests from the Lord. In James verses thir- or chapter 1 and verses 13 through 16, he talks a little bit about the temptations to do evil. But here's what we must distinguish. We must distinguish between the test or the trials and the temptations. Because there are tests that God brings into our life that he's trying to use to conform us to the image of his son, to mature us in our faith. But then Satan also brings in temptations in our life. And those temptations are to cause us to sin, to cause us to not be more like the Lord Jesus Christ. So whenever something happens, what we've got to do is step back from the situation. We must emotionally disconnect from it. And we must step back and say, God, what are you doing in my life? Is this a test or is this of Satan? Is this a temptation? Right? Because if you can discern where you are and what you're, what's going on, it will help you to react a little bit better to the situation. It will, it will help you to know what the next step is going to be for you to either face this temptation or endure this trial or this test or pass this test that the Lord has before you. By the way, this is kind of a sidebar, and I've got so much in my head today, I just hope I can get it out to you in a way that you can understand. But listen, guys, you realize that in life, God will always have you in one of three places. I think I shared this with a couple of small groups this past week. God will always have you. I want you to get this. He will always have you in at least, he'll have you in many places, but at least one of three different places. And he will have you in the garden. You Remember when Jesus went to the garden and there he prayed and his sweat became his great drops of blood? You know what that was? That was really in the garden was where the test was. Matter of fact, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus went in there to pray, that's where the victory was won. And a lot of times we look at the cross and we think the victory was won in the cross. And and I'm very respectful of what happened on the cross. But the true victory took place in the garden. Because that's when the Lord Jesus Christ passed the test of God the Father. And he said, Lord, not my will be done, but thine. He reprioritized his life. Now, I understand he was God. He's 100% God, 100% man. I understand all of that. But he was an example for us. And oftentimes, God will have us in the garden to test us. And what we must do is pass that test, reprioritize our life, and submit to the will of the Father. Right? So when those tests come... We need to understand that, hey, this is God, okay? I need to pass this test, right? But another place they'll have us is in the desert. You remember Matthew chapter 4 when the Bible says that Satan led Jesus out into the desert? And what was that? To tempt him, right? Tempt him to sin. Now understand this. God will never, ever, ever tempt you to sin. That's beyond his nature. He can never do that. But Satan obviously can. That's why we must discern. Am I in the garden? Is this a test? May I share with you? I feel that I, we, collectively, have been going through a series of tests here at Victory Church. I don't don't give Satan any credit for what's been taking place. I don't see Satan at work. I see God at work. I see God testing us. Testing me through all these different struggles that we've been going through here in the last several months. Why is he doing that? Because he wants to mature us. He wants to grow us. Right. He wants to conform us to the image of his son. So we haven't been in the desert being tempted by sin or by Satan to sin. I feel like we may have been in the garden being tested of the Lord. 
The third place he'll have you is on the cross. You'll either be in the garden being tested, you'll be in the desert being tempted, or you'll be in the, on the cross facing tribulation and false accusations. Right? You ever been in that situation where you're being ridiculed for no reason? Where lies and rumors are being spread on you and you're wondering where in the world did this stuff come from? You ever been there? Has somebody ever come up to you and said, said um, hey, let, let me share with you what I just heard. And you're completely blown away? That somebody said that or somebody thought that? What is that? That's when we're on the cross. Right? And by the way, God's going to put you on the cross sometimes. And we're going to be on the cross. Because listen, it's, all, it's not necessarily... It is important how we act. But it's also very important how we react. Right? So I said all that. I completely got away from where I wanted to go here in James chapter 1. But we've got to understand where we are. James is talking about this. And we must distinguish between the test and the temptation. Because, get this, God does not always cause our trials. Listen, he allows them to strengthen our faith. And we must understand that temptations are from the devil. Now, I want to give you a couple of things here real quickly. Jot these down. I'm going to speed up and kind of fly through this because I want to get to the end of this sermon. And everybody else does too, right? Say amen. It's okay. So I'm going to kind of, this is kind of the middle part. You, you see, most of my sermon is really the introduction. And then I give you a little bit here in the middle, and then I like to wrap it up, okay? So I'm headed to the middle of this thing, and it's going to be short and sweet right here, but I want you to get this. Here's a few things you need to understand about troubles. They are inevitable. They are coming your way. You say, well, preacher, I don't know that I've had any troubles. Get ready. I promise you it's coming, right? If you live long enough, you will face some troubles. Now, I want you to look in James 1 and 2. It says, consider it great joy, my brothers. Everybody say, whenever. He did not say if troubles come your way. He says when these various trials come your way. You see, troubles are not electives in this great curriculum of life that we're all living in and taking. You don't get to choose whether you want to have a life with troubles or not. Hello? They will come, I promise you, there are many trials, various trials that will come your way. And those trials can be very intense trials. They can be hard places to get through. But I want you to know they are coming your way. None of us are exempt. They are inevitable. It may be a lingering illness. It may be an untimely death, as I've already mentioned. It may be a broken marriage. It may be a short-circuited romance. It may be a rebellious child. It may be an alcoholic loved one. It may be problems in your business and in your career. It may be something pertaining to your health. It may be lingering depression that you're battling. It may be habits that you just cannot break. I promise you, there are trials in various, many, multicolored forms that all of us will go through. They're coming. Get ready. They're inevitable. So everybody say, my trials are coming. Matter of fact, I want you to point your neighbor on the shoulder, poke him on the shoulder right now, and say, get ready. Some problems are coming your way. You say, preacher, really? <laughs> I love this part when I get to do that and watch you guys. You say, preacher, really? I, I, I came to church. Okay, guys, you got to stop. <laughs> I'm just kidding you, you say, preacher, really? I came to church this morning for you to tell me I'm going to walk out that door and face troubles and face trials and, and that problems are inevitable? Yeah, exactly what I'm telling you, right? We got to be prepared for it. They are coming. Second thing I want you to see is this. Not only are they inevitable, but I want you to see these troubles, these problems, they're purposeful. 
God has a reason that we are going through all of these. And I've already alluded to this briefly, but I want you to look in verse number three of James one. This is a key verse of scripture. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, patience. None of us like that, do we? The testing of your faith produces endurance. Listen, we oftentimes, we don't know the purpose in much of our pain. But in times of trouble, oftentimes all of us at one point or another may feel abandoned by God. Right? You ever felt like that? You're going through some troubles. You're going through some hard places. You're going through some problems in life. And and you feel like, where is God? I want you to know. We've got to look at this in a different perspective. He's already given you a promise that he would never, ever leave you nor forsake you. Okay? God is there. Right? He is leading us right through every single one of those promises. But here's what I want you to understand. James says that trials are the evidence that God is at work in our lives. Get a hold of that. James is saying that, listen... The problems, the troubles that you're experiencing, I'm not talking about temptations that cause us to sin. Understand? I'm talking about troubles. I'm talking about problems. I'm talking about hard places to get through in life. What James is telling us here is that these trials are evident that God is working in our life. Now, I don't know. I like, I like that. You see, a lot of times we think the only time God is working is when we're having a, a Matthew 17 experience. What is that? That's the Mount of Transfiguration. Remember, that's when Peter, James, and John were up on the mountain with Jesus. And Peter said, man, this is great. Moses and Elijah came down. He said, hey, let's just build three tabernacles. Let's all hang out here on the mountain. This is a wonderful, beautiful thing. And, and, And God had to speak up to get Peter to hush. Right? Remember that? But a lot of times we think that, boy, if I'm really in tune with God, I'm going to be in Matthew 17. I'm going to be on this wonderful mountain all the time. Not necessarily. Now, there'll be moments when you're there. Right? So we've got to understand that even in the dark places, even in the valleys, even in the hard times, even in the difficult times when the problems and the troubles are there, that it's really evidence that, that God is really working in my life. Peter, Peter agreed with Paul. Listen to this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 17. Look at this scripture, 2 Corinthians 4 and verse number 17 says, For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of Glory. What is working for us? Trouble, afflictions, hard times, hard places, problems are working for us, not against us. So verse number three gives us the specific purpose back in James one, that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Now, this word in the Greek endurance just simply means it really it's a word picture. It means to remain under It means to endure the pressure. It means to withstand. It means to persevere. It means to have the ability to remain under pressure without collapsing. It means to cope successfully with the strain of stress. That's the purpose of our troubles. So as we go, as we grow as Christians, we got to understand that our goal is maturity. That God is using all of this to grow us and to mature us. Look in verse number four, James one. But endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. 
I want to share with you a quote, and then I'm going to jump to the end of my sermon here and wrap it up and be done. Listen to this quote by Warren Wiersbe. He says this. Our values determine our evaluations. If we value comfort more than character, then the trials will upset us. If we value the material and the physical more than the spiritual, we will not be able to count it all joy. If we live only for the present and forget the future, then trials will make us bitter and not better. It's all in perspective. And that's really what I'm trying to drive home today. That you'll understand and have an idea of the perspective. James, real quickly, next slide, he real quick, quickly gives us four things. And I'm not even going to unpack these, but I want you to jot these down. Uh, these are four different things and four different areas and four different ways and things we need to know about our troubles and, and how we are to respond for them. He says to live joyfully in verse number five as we're going through them, to live joyfully. You see, life, listen, life is difficult. Suffering is inevitable, but misery is an option. Did you get that? Life is difficult. You got it? Life is difficult. Suffering is inevitable, but misery is an option. You get to choose whether you're going to be miserable or not. You get to choose whether you're going to be a bitter, nasty, cantankerous person or not. Hello? Or you get to choose if you want to have joy in your life. If you, listen, you get to choose if you want to wither up and get in a corner and pout and carry on and act like nobody likes you. That's your choice. That is your prerogative. But as for me and my house, I want to choose joy. Hello? I want to say, listen, yes, we're going to go through some hard times. No, it does not mean I'm sinning. No, it does not mean that I've made a mistake. No, it does not mean that I've led my family or this church in the wrong direction. What it does mean is that God is working in my life. And if God is for me, who can be against me? Why in the world would I not choose to be joyful in a moment when the testing and the trials and the problems are there? That's a good place for an amen. Hello? That's the perspective that we must have. Are you with me, church? I said I'd hit these and go, but sometimes I can't help myself. Live joyfully. Live expectantly. Live submissively. Live humbly. You can unpack those in those verses. If you want my notes, send me an email. I'll send them to you. i unpack them briefly here, but I've got to go. Let me get to the end of this sermon. The last thing I want you to see, number three, is the reward for our trouble. Okay? Do we have troubles in life? Yes. Do we have hard places to get through? Yes. What's the reward of all of this? The reward of the troubles is found in verse number 12. It says, a man who endured trials is blessed because when he passes the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. I want to receive the crown of life. Therefore, the reward is to pass the test, receive the crown of life. God's working. And all of us should find great comfort in our troubles, in our problems, in our trials, in our suffering, because we know God is at work. So let's choose to be joyful. Let's choose to have a humble spirit. Let's choose to live in submission to our God and know he's working all of this for the good of those who love him. Amen. So I don't know what troubles you may be facing. I ask the band if they will please come. And, and I'm kind of done for today. But I want you to get a hold of this. As a church family, we've gone through some difficult places. It's evident when you look around. I'm not talking about just the physical. I'm also talking about the relational and different things that, that we've endured. But that's really just, you know, that's just called life. Really? Seriously? That's what it's called. It's, it's God working. It's God moving. But there may be troubles. There may be situations. There may be hard places that you're going through in, with your family. 
or in your own individual life. I want to encourage you today. I want you to see, and you've got to discern, this is the key part of the message. I hope you didn't miss it. You must discern whether it's a temptation from Satan to tempt us or it's a test from the Lord. You've got to discern which it is and act accordingly. But if it's a test from the Lord, what I want you to do is submit to it. Submit to the Lord Jesus Christ through all of that. Choose to, to be joyful in the midst of all of that. Choose to realize that God is at work. Choose to realize that He promised you that He'll never leave you. He's there just as He's with us today. So I wonder as every head is bowed and every eye is closed and I don't know exactly what it is that you may be facing in life, but this is what I do know. If you're here today and you have never trusted in Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I do know it begins there. It begins with you evaluating your life and realizing that we're all born in this world a sinner and and we just simply must know that Jesus loves us and He died on the cross for us and He bore our shame and He bore all of our sin. And Isaiah 53 says that the Lord God in heaven placed on Him, Jesus, the iniquities, the sins of us all. And there our sin debt was paid in full. Yes, He was buried in a tomb, but He resurrected the third day and now He's ascended to God the Father and sits on the right hand there making intercession for each and every one of us. What we must simply do is acknowledge that we've sinned and ask Him to forgive us and to come into our life. If you're here this morning and you've never done that, my prayer today is that's where you'll start. Let me help you pray. Father, I pray for the one right now that needs to pray and ask You to come into their heart and into their life. Maybe one just simply needs to rededicate and recommit their life to You right now. Father, whatever that need is, my prayer right now is this, that they would acknowledge their sin. They would ask You to forgive them of their sins and come into their heart. May they pray something like this. And you pray this prayer along with me if this is you today. Just silently in your heart, pray this prayer. Say, Dear God, I realize that I have sinned and I pray, God, you'd forgive me and that you'd come into my heart, come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. I love you, Lord. I want to serve you. Be my God. Be my Savior. I repent and turn from my sins. Please forgive me. If you prayed that prayer today, I want you to know that Christ has just forgiven you and you are a part of the family of God and you have either once just been born again or rededicated or recommitted your life to Christ. I want to encourage you to continue in your journey of faith. But maybe some of you here have been believers for a long time and you're struggling through some hard places in life. Let me help you. Father, I pray for that individual right now. Lord, that right now we would understand that there are places in our life where you test us. Father, right now, we just want to submit to that. We want to choose to live joyfully. We want to understand, God, that you're working in our life. That you're producing patience and endurance and completeness in our life. That you're conforming us to the image of your Son. Help us, God, not to grow bitter. But help us, God, to grow better as believers and children of yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. 
If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.